listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. We will get to our episode in a moment, but first, Paula and I appreciate all of the continued support out there. We have over a million downloads, and we want to keep growing. If you could leave a positive rating on our podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, tell a friend or family member about our show. Now, let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our award-winning journalist who spent 30 years telling these kinds of stories with the Akron Beacon Journal, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. William Montgomery Clemens had a very famous uncle, Samuel Clemens, better known as Mark Twain, that 19th century writer and lecturer who was truly the biggest rock star of his day. But nephew William Clemens was no slouch. The New Jersey man was an author himself, an editor, a journalist, and an investigator. And tonight, we're going to share the story he told of a visit to Akron in 1878, when he wanted to see for himself whether a local family was truly being haunted by a ghost who kept pummeling them with rocks. The victims of this pesky poltergeist were Michael and Maria Metzler, German immigrants who lived with their six children, ages 1 through 13, and Maria's mother. In 1878, the family moved into a new home big enough to handle that growing brood, a large brick house at 1219 High Street. It's not there anymore. That area isn't even called High Street anymore. It was about a quarter mile south of present-day downtown Akron, a neighborhood so notorious it was once called Hell's Half Acre. Frankly, if a ghost were mean enough to be throwing rocks at people, it would make sense for it to pick Hell's Half Acre. Let me set that scene. At the time, Akron was home to about 16,000 people. Several hundred of them lived in Hell's Half Acre, a rugged district right around the intersection of South Main Street and West Thornton. It owed its name to the Inferno that was the Akron Iron Company. The Akron Iron Company created the raw materials for the farm machine industry. The factory ran 24 hours a day, Three shifts staffed by 350 rugged men who risked their lives working in the molten environment of a blast furnace and rolling mill for two bucks a day. The factory itself was pretty close to where Gojo Industries currently has its headquarters. A century ago, East Barges Street was known as Iron Street. Not surprisingly, hard jobs were done by hard men, and dozens of saloons sprouted in the neighborhood. Even the grocery stores that served the neighborhood had a bar in the rear or a barrel of whiskey and ale in the cellar. With all that alcohol came all the trouble you would expect, lots of fighting, so much so that patrol officers always walked their beats in pairs or threes. According to Akron historian John Botsam, even priests were called on at times to help break up the brawls. In 
There was one tale of a businessman who thought he'd try and open a soft drink stand across the railroad tracks from the iron factory. After the laborers had a sip and realized there was no booze in it, they tore down the booth. They carted the wood home in wheelbarrows and baby carriages and feed sacks. The residents of the area were primarily from Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales, and they did not like anyone from other European backgrounds crossing into their turf. The only time they would put those hostilities aside were for sporting events between rival athletic clubs. One side would win, and while that gave them the power to gloat for a while, it did not change the dynamics inside the neighborhood. Even at school, youngsters would duke it out during recess or after classes, broken into gangs by their ethnic groups and targeting each other. German families, however, were a determined lot, and they did manage to get a toehold, living on or just at the fringe of Hell's Half Acre, where there was also some room for farmland. They wanted those iron factory jobs, and back then, you really needed to live within walking distance of where you worked. The German dad in our story, Michael Metzler, worked at the iron factory, and so settled his household of nine right there in that big brick house next to some adjacent land where the family could tend a nice big garden. And things were going just fine until October the 8th, 1878, a cloudy Tuesday morning. Maria Metzler left the home, went to the field, and began husking corn, when suddenly she began being pelted with stones. She couldn't find the source, someone hiding among the stalks, perhaps. When they wouldn't stop, she had to run for the cover of her house. Later that same day, her children were outside doing their own chores. When they ran inside seeking shelter, someone had been throwing rocks at them. They ranged in size from tree nuts to chicken eggs. Maria and her kids agreed someone was playing a prank. The next day at dusk, it happened again. Maria was outside once more trying to husk corn in the field. This time, she was pelted with both stones and plugs of dirt. And the day after that, Maria and her 10-year-old daughter Emma were standing by an outside door that opened to their cellar when a large pebble flew through the air and struck young Emma in the face. But this was something new. That rock didn't come from outside. It had flown from inside the cellar door. Whatever the source of this nuisance, it appeared to have moved inside the house. The oldest daughter, Mary, was sitting in a chair inside the home when she was struck by a stone. At times, even pieces of coal and chips from brick went flying. In the house, these projections all seemed to be coming from the ceiling or some dark corner of the room. 
Word of this mysterious phenomenon started spreading through town, and of course, plenty of people laughed and dismissed it. Others spread rumors that it was a sign that the old lady at the house, Maria's elderly mother, was a witch. Or maybe the Metzler's own children were simply seeking attention. Still, many friends and neighbors were very curious, and they gathered to keep vigil. Next, the press came, and journalists themselves bore eyewitness to supernatural forces that showered them with rocks. The rocks were always warm and wet, and came through the air with a slight whistling noise. One Akron paper collected some of the stones and put them on exhibit in the storefront of their office window on Howard Street, to the delight and ridicule of passers-by. On the first Sunday after it all started, a huge crowd gathered at the property. Reports ranged from there being nearly 2,000 people to more than 6,000 in a single day. And that brought a whole new problem. The crowd became something of a mob, and the police had their hands full with several brawls and disturbances. After a week of this mysterious visitor, the Metzlers decided to take their problem to a higher power. They summoned Reverend John Baptist Brown, pastor of none other than St. Bernard Catholic Church, which, of course, is still in operation in downtown Akron. Father Brown went to the home at 10 p.m., prayed for the evil entity to depart, and promptly had two stones fall at his feet, followed by a small shower of pebbles from the ceiling. And then William Clemens paid a visit. Clemens, Mark Twain's nephew, spent 30 years investigating and writing about criminal cases and, as he described, unraveling of mysterious problems, psychological and otherwise. In 1919, Clemens wrote a column relating his experience at the Metzler's home. Clemens said he and another writer arrived at the house and were invited in. Michael Metzler was at the factory The only three people in the home were Maria, her elderly mother, and one of the daughters. Clemens said he closed and locked every window and two doors. And to remove any potential questions, Clemens took and held the hand of the grandmother, who had accused of being a witch, and the other writer perched the daughter on his knee. While the other writer perched the daughter on his knee, and Maria went about her work preparing for dinner. Maria sat near the stove, knife in hand, peeling potatoes with a large pan at her feet. And what happened? Clemens wrote. I was asking Mrs. Metzler for an explanation of the strange manifestation. There were tears in her eyes as she held the knife in her outstretched hand to emphasize her words. It is a curse on the family, she cried. Suddenly, a small stone, the size and shape of a hickory nut, fell, apparently from the ceiling, and struck Mrs. Metzler on the arm. I picked up the stone. 
it was warm and wet. Later, a much larger stone, the size of an egg, fell and struck me on the shoulder. Merely a light touch, like the tap of a finger. The stone fell at my feet, but strange to say, it did not roll or move from where it fell. Like a piece of putty, it clung to the floor. Other stones fell on that eventful morning, a dozen of them, all apparently coming from the ceiling. We watched for their coming, too, and they all appeared to have their origin about eight or ten inches from the ceiling. The plaster was unbroken, and the falling stones caused no damage, only wonderment and mystery, Clemens wrote. This phenomenon continued for two more weeks. Scientists and experts from universities came to the scene, but nobody had an answer. And then the stone throwing stopped as suddenly as it had begun. Clemens wrote, It was a deep, unfathomable mystery of the occult, and to this day it remains an unanswered mystery. (laughs) Well, a century after he wrote that, the same can still be said. Less of a mystery is what happened to Hell's Half Acre. In July of 1897, the Akron Iron Company burned to the ground. Arson was suspected, but there were no arrests. The owners collected $75,000, nearly $3 million today, and decided not to rebuild. The iron workers went on to find other jobs, There were plenty to be had during the rise of Akron's rubber empire. And without the concentration of rough-and-tumble characters, Hell's Half Acre became a different sort of place. Five churches were built in the area, including St. Mary's, which still stands at Main and West Thornton Streets. St. Mary's came with a parochial school, joining Allen Elementary and South High School. In all, three brand new schools to serve the growing population at the southern end of town. B.F. Goodrich, Miller Rubber Company, and Hardware and Supply Company opened and employed thousands of people. And Hell's Half Acre came to be called Goose Town. The old devilish name was exercised from many memories. By the way, in addition to William Clemens' own writing, credit for research in this episode I owe to Mark J. Price, an Akron Beacon Journal history writer who has written about the history of Hell's Half Acre. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to ohiomysteries.com. Also, for more shows like ours, head on over to KillerPodcasts.com. We are a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, 
to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II. Each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources, which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.